Mad Messiah, the third cycle, two dead Israelites, fragment, bruised male. We raise our tent of flesh and blood to occupy the public place with proud physique and bold display and boastful brotherhood. But when bravado cannot hold its poise and all the bragging fails, we greet hilarity, the laughing face the howls, the wagging tails. Poem 1. Manoah's Wife Manoah of the tribe of Dan was a fine and faithful man. He resolutely tried to make his own dear wife confess her sin, her long unoccupied and barren womb, devoid of fruitfulness. A son would bring him joy, the boy would taste no wine or unclean food. No blade or knife would touch his head. He would destroy the cruel and much-hated Philistine. That very day Manoah's foolish wife told him that a man of God had come. He spoke of a long-awaited son. No unclean food, no wine will pass his lips. No blade or knife will touch his head. He will bring life to Israel and torment to the Philistine. The man of God in dazzling white appeared with folded arms and regal height. Your much-loved woman speaks the truth. Manoah's eyes were filled with long-lost youth. You and I will roast and eat the lean and tender meat of a wild kid goat. The creature's throat was placed along the sacrificial stone. But when the sharp blade swept, the man of God, without delay, leapt flame-like to the ancient throne. Man and woman, side by side, fell trembling to the ground, and to his fretful whispering, the woman's voice replied, Let Adonai receive your offering. When a time of birth came round, her boy-child, Samson, man of the sun, became the pride and joy of everyone. Poem 2. The Lion's Throat Walking through the open door with your spurs and your cowboy hat, you came and sat with a friendly sigh. Ma looked up with a curious eye, and Pa just cleared his throat and spat and said no more. I went down unafraid to Timna where the cliffs are sheer. I watched the Philistines parade, and when she turned her head, I quietly drew near, and a voice within me cried that my days were incomplete without the presence of her sweet and noble gaze. You must get her for me as a bride. Ma and Pa and Son went down to Timna where the cliffs are sheer and vineyards wait beneath the summer sky. You saw a roaring lion appear and could feel the breath of Adonai take hold. With a warlike frown you seized the creature's throat and tore its flesh apart like a man might tear a timid wild kid goat. The beast was dead. The joy of triumph stirred, but to your parents not one word was said. You went to her who held your heart, 
And when she kindly spoke your name, you were pleased and turned to go. Once more, with proud delight, you came to seek a wife, but first you went to see the carcass lying on the ground. And from the lion's body came the sound of bees humming and the lazy flow of honey. Your fingers, searching artfully, found the happy food. You placed it on your tongue and smiled contentedly. Ma and Pa were both agreed that you had indeed discovered a truly golden taste. Pa gave the bride a second view, and Samson held a feast, as young men do. Poem 3 The Bridal Song Samson eagerly went down to Timna, where the cliffs are sheer, happy at last to win his heart's delight. Thirty youths at the edge of town, with envy and fear and a furtive grin, waited for the Israelites. They watched without a sound, as you calmly stood your ground, your feet set wide. I will leave my Timnite love behind, and offer tokens of defeat, a silver-studded belt and linen sheet for each man here. If you find in seven days my secret, if you decide to take these terms when seven days are gone, all studded belts and linen sheets are mine, and I will wed my lovely Philistine and sing my secret bridal song out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the wild and mighty, something sweet. For three whole days, the thirty youths in turn set out to find your secret, and the more they tried to claim the prize, the more their fury grew, until they remembered Samson's bride. Find that secret, or we swear your father's house will burn. Because of you, that Israelite could strip us bare. She turned to you with tearful sighs and made an urgent plea. Why do you hate me and hurt me so? Won't you tell me your sweet mystery? You gently drew her eyes to yours, longing to explain. I keep my mystery from everyone, including Ma and Pa. They do not know. She clung and wept for days on end. I have no joy, no love, no friend. And when the seven days were nearly done, you could endure the sweet, sad pain no more. You whispered to your bride, who swiftly spread the secret far and wide, and as the seventh sun went down, the youths with mocking pride began their song. Honey is sweet, we lions are so strong. The breath of Adonai with raging frown took hold of your face. You have mocked my farm and set my heifer to your plow. You slaughtered thirty men in some sad place and took their studded belts to pay your debt and came back home and stepped inside. Then one of those youths made a wedding vow in Timna where the tiffs are sheer and whispered happy secrets in the ear of Samson's bride. Poem 4 Flaming Rattlesnakes 
In those early autumn days when golden wheat is heavy with life, you arrived and wanted to gaze at your much-loved beautiful wife. You stood there manfully with a wild kid goat and a blissful grin till the door was opened carefully. I'm sorry, boy, but you know you can't come in. That voice had more to say as, hurt and all alone, you slowly drew your breath and looked around and heard in a distant way the firm but friendly tone. My girl was quite upset when you went to ground after losing your bet, and everybody thought you were gone for good. It seems we just misunderstood. There might be a way to adjust the plan now that she's married to another man. Her little sister would be right for you. Wholesome and pretty and clever, too. Samson was pale. His voice was cold. You who know my hurt will understand the havoc which must now unfold on this cursed land. You caught three hundred rattlesnakes, and two by two you tied their tails with wire and dipped those tails in oil and set them on fire. And flaming rattlesnakes writhed and squirmed across the land as vineyards, crops, and olive groves burned. The Philistines knew how it all began that shameful day when your father-in-law from Timna Town gave you a bride, then took her away. They walked to the house of father and bride and threw a flaming torch inside and watched it all come burning down. Samson's temper frayed. He was ready for war. Rivers of Philistine blood will settle the score. Through the menacing wave of your mighty hand, Havel came to the Philistine land to frighten, maim, and shock. And you went down with a mournful sigh and a weary frown to live on your own in the cave of the mighty rock. Poem 5 Jawbone Hill the Philistines came to Lehi town in Judah land to watch and stare and tote their guns and make a fuss. A deputation with a genteel frown made their way across the field and quietly appealed. Your hostility is quite unfair. We're Judah folks that don't blame us for the wild behavior of that crazy man. He's not from Lehi. He's tribe of Dan. The Philistines looked with jaundiced eye and gave a slow and calm reply. We expect to meet the prisoner soon. Bound, please, and delivered by noon. Men of Judah, three thousand strong, heard the news and hurried down to the mouth of Samson's cave. In our opinion, there's nothing wrong with being mighty and mean and brave. But the Philistines don't quite see it that way. So why do you bring such disarray to our trouble-free town? Samson smiled. His voice was loud. Men of Judah are a mighty crowd. But please don't say that you're coming to fight. Dead bodies are an ugly sight. 
Three thousand men of Judah stood tall, and howls of laughter went roaring high. We want your permission to tie you and hand you over, that's all. Samson nodded and smiled. The idea was good. Wrap my arms in loops of twine, and hand me over to the Philistine, but try to avoid any shedding of blood. The roars of laughter shook the ground as you waited with cheerful ease to be bound. Two arms tightened up from the cave and the rush of the fearsome Philistine horde and the sound of Adonai's breath and the burning twine and the wild and looping wave of the donkey's jawbone risen from the ground and Samson's howling, writhing dance of death. Where'd the donkey's jawbone dunk dunk on the skulls of the Philistines clunk clunk? I have, sweet Adonai, visited the lash of your breath on this vile, uncircumcised trash. You put my enemies under my feet, and proudly I dance on their dead remains. But when that claw-like dryness pains my throat, will you leave me here to die in the blazing noonday heat? Adonai spoke in the blink of an eye. And those who live nearby will always say that the water flows to this very day. The water flowed, and you drank, and all was well. Jawbone Hill is the name of the place where the men of Judah came, with their whoops and cheers and smiles and easy praise. And Samson was sheriff in Israel in the Philistine days for twenty years. Poem 6 Horses of Philistine City When a sheriff needs a break, he is well advised to take himself to another town, where he can go and get a drink at the saloon, or walk around, or sit alone and think. Now Jawbone Samson was brave and tough, but a sheriff's job is never pretty. And whenever he'd had enough, he'd hop on the saddle and hightail to Philistine City. You were leaning at the bar one day with a weary eye when a Philistine lady stood nearby, hands on her hips and lips inclined to jeer. If you want to learn how to smile, step right in here. Your reply was guarded and discreet, but soon, like a prairie fire in the noonday heat, the word spread far and wide. The business lady has Jawbone Samson inside. Now the Jawbone Samson name brought memories of bitter shame and cruel and dark defeat to the high and mighty Philistines. With folded arms and bloody minds, they gathered outside the hotel. We let him have this one last night, but the rising sun will spell his demise. Tomorrow will be sweet. But slyly, at the midnight hour, you got out of bed and took the horse of every Philistine and led them galloping through the city and out of sight. No one saw in the shadowy gloom the stony Philistine faces glower. No one heard them seethe and fret and fume. Poem 7 Delilah on the Phone when Delilah, beautiful and bold, welcomed Jawbone Samson to her bed, the city bosses came with bags of gold. Throughout this city, lively praise is heard for your appealing ways and for the mighty change in Samson's attitude. 
quite forlorn with love and easily led. If you asked, he might convey the secret of his keen prowess, and we would solemnly express our most beneficial gratitude. On the evening of that day, Samson heard Delilah on the phone. If you won't tell me how to get you here and tie you down right now, I think I'm going to die. I'm all alone. His eager voice came down the line. I'm on my way, my wild and darling Philistine. You came through the door with heroic pride, and Delilah clasped her hands and sighed, and wore her sweetest and most hopeful frown. Won't you tell me how to tie you down? In a pleased and passionate display, you moaned and fell across her bed, and called for seven unused leather bandoliers. Now tie me down, my love, and take my heart. Delilah's binding work was swiftly done, and then she raised her voice with wails and tears. The Philistines are here, my love. Run! The seven leather bandoliers, like thread in a flame, effortlessly came apart. You rose up and laughed and held her tight, and with a whimper of delight she protested playfully. You're so cruel. You're mocking me. You're the meanest man in town. A second time you raised her hopes. If you really want to tie me down, all you need is seven unused ropes. Once again she tried. And one more time, she failed. You should be jailed. You've hurt my pride. Then Samson brought her fingers to his hair. You hold the secret of my strength right there. If you take my seven long, dark strands and tie them tightly to the brass frame of your bed, you'll have me in your hands. She did as she was told. And then she cried. The Philistines are coming, my love. Hide. She watched you rise from sleep and laugh and wildly stare with her broken bed frame dangling from your hair in a slyly taunting carefree game. She drew you close and looked you in the eye. How can you say you love me when you keep me out of your sweet confidence? Day after day she scolded, wept, and whined, every mournful plea and every sigh pounding the tall, dark shore of your proud reticence and flooding the inlets of your mind, till hounded to death you could take no more. My maw once met a man of God, and my paw made sacrifice of blood to hear these words. No unclean food, no wine will pass his lips. No blade or knife will touch his head. He will bring new life to every tribe in Israel and kill the hated Philistine. The secret was out, she could tell. She called the city bosses on the phone. They brought their bags of coal with eagerness and she cradled Samson's sleeping head with a pleased caress. No word was said as she admired the modestly displayed bags of gold and the rhythm of metal on stone, the resolute and sharpening blade. She gave a sign. The blade was brought. 
the head was shaved. She urgently cried out, Flee, my love, the hated Philistine. You awoke to the jubilant shout of catcalls, whoops, and cries. They pinned you down on the lady's bed, and with the blade that shaved your head, they gouged your eyes. They bound you and led you away to a half-forgotten place below the city jail, where day after day you heaved at the grinding mill and fed on the hope that the hair on your shaved head would begin to grow. Poem 8. Brooding Might They gather and give thanks in serried ranks for freedom from a hateful power. And then at daylight's dying hour with venomous delight in the Philistine's high vaulted holy place they demand to see your bloodied face. You appear on that barbaric night led by the hand of a frightened boy. And as they watch you turn and blindly greet the howling, twisted joy of warriors pining at Delilah's feet, they do not see your gouged eyes burn. You would seek the best vintage wine if she were thirsty, and would bring if she needed nourishing a feast. And if she felt the shame of nakedness, you would not rest until her face, folded in some fine, well-woven cloth, smiled and spoke your name. You would proudly build a mansion if she longed to hide from winter's chill or summer's cruelty. If she were ill, you would run to her side, calling for a healer. Skilled with potion, spell, and remedy. From far and wide at this fast-fading hour, your long-sworn enemies are drawn to the enchanting sight of Samson's boastful might, imprisoned by Delilah's devious power. You call amid the wild festivities for one last vision of her face. No answer comes as you gaze into the laughing canyons of this place with absent, unseeing eye. Under the brooding archways of the night, you hear the chanting of Delilah's praise and prepare with measured breath and arms raised in flight to call down the curse of Adonai. Betrayed, silent, and alone, you heave the waiting stone with the vengeful grimace of death. Poem 9 The Dove Feet on fallen stone, step gently. Wreckage is explored with patient hands and labored breath. And hope is brought to birth and death by a lonesome eye. The dove has flown, like a flashing sword streaking the sky above this defiled place. And where the broken hero lies, grieving comrades recognize a pale and empty face. With tender brotherhood for their once wild and laughing champion, they place you on the bier and kiss the wood. 
with warrior-like unison, they raise you high, the sacrificial lamb. With passionate ritual they walk, sure foot, sad face, gestures calm to the place of burial. High above the open grave and the stony eyes of grief, the glimmer of wings in flight is more unsettling than fire or crashing wave. A sweetly crafted blade to rend apart the pride of disbelief. Let this story sing the mad news of delight with no beginning and no end between the giver and the grateful one. Foolish father, faithful son, we'd lied and soar with the dove, a shadow-free conspiracy and love. I am the telling of this tale. I pitch my tent on earth, no soft or smiling clutch in life, and no restless touch of any man brings me to birth. I am the lamb, the happy feast. I hail the amiable ways of fatherhood. I am his voice, his word made flesh and blood. Poem 10 The Whip with arched brow and curious eye, he notes the scattering sheep as I move with arm held high and writhing whip. Wondering what to protect and how, his refined and furtive hands hover with urgent skill among the coin of distant lands as the marketplace grows still. He knows my face. He has watched me walking past that dark and perfumed place where the priestly caste surrenders to his smiling influence. Beneath the sly familiarity, the easy nonchalance, the silk, the scent, the silent, watchful eyes. I see the lion sitting on his prize, those gleaming stacks of currency like a city gloriously displayed. Our eyes meet. My hands reach down and heave, the table tilts, the jingling cascade tumbles to the ground. Turmoil takes hold as countless fingers relieve their pent-up hunger for gold. The lion leaps back, his finely manicured feet avoid the table's bruising edge, as my whip curls, wild with rage, and all that busy nest of thieves, the greedy eye, the money-grubbing hand, are torn apart and scattered randomly. I come to where you take your stand, a timna where the cliffs are sheer. You kill your lion and smile with victory among the vineyard's golden leaves. I let my whip fall to the ground as countless feet appear before the temple wall, echoing the ageless sound of unchanging litany. An urgent whispering, more powerful than the wind, holds me and lifts me high, like a builder with that final stone beneath the waiting sky, triumphant and alone. This house of glory is my child, who calls my name on earth. I will greet him at the end of days 
and proudly raise him to the shining mysteries above. Like a whip, graceful and wild, I bring down the second birth and unleash the fire of love. Poem 11 My Wild Samaritan I sit at Jacob's well beneath the cruel sun, and it seems the world is dead and hope is gone. Then, with a jar on her head, she comes my way and casts her spell. My friends have volunteered to visit the nearby town in search of bread and wine and meat. They warned me with a friendly frown to rest and avoid the noonday heat. But I could see their eyes express a silent weariness before they disappeared. The lady wears her mask of scorn with playful ease. Yet in this treacherous and ancient land she cannot hide love's torn and wounded memories. May she be raised by kindly wings and fly to that great city where all proud command is overturned in the blink of a stranger's eye. She waits for my quiet plea. Give me a drink. And the taste of triumph plays in her devious grin. A Jew wants water from a girl like me. A wild Samaritan. Hope lurks half concealed in her bold, sharp glance. And I join her wayward game, stepping out to dance along the worn-out battlefield where every hatred finds its name. If I told you where I live, if you knew where I came from and when, you'd ask me for water. I would give, and you would never thirst again. I am, in her eyes, just another boastful clown. Her voice is no hint of surprise. When Jacob and his sons with their cattle and sheep drew water from this land, that well was dark and deep. But I see no bucket in your hand. How will you reach down? You stand with feet apart, alone and proud, as you call those timnite youths to guess the secret of your wedding song, but I can only pine and bless and cry out loud. This love of mine I gladly give, wild and sweet and strong. From deep within it comes to pour like never-ending streams among the dreams of all who live. Come and drink and thirst no more. Those timnite youths on learning of your secret ways parade their victory. But when I speak my simple truths, the lady answers with a gaze of disbelief and mockery. I'll take that living water, please, so I won't have to come here on my own to let my bucket down and heave and groan. Give me that life of ease. I tell her with a friendly smile to get that husband of hers and bring him here, knowing she's had five. For a while she loved each one, but now she lives in fear of promises with her most recent man. I make my story known of how it all began with wild and kindly playfulness. I watch her standing silent and alone, and in her eyes a pleading gentleness. But my friends have returned. 
They firmly placed their views on full display, tight-lipped and concerned and staring at her wild Samaritan feet. She smiles and lowers her jar to the ground, knowing we will meet again quite soon, then turns around and calmly walks away. Curious and grave, with a tantalizing question taking hold, they circle me like silent monuments. Did Rabbi misbehave? Nothing is said, no airing of views, as they impatiently prepare the meal, the best ingredients spiced with stories loudly told of skillful bargaining and angry news of malice and deceit, and how the local women stare like whores on parade. The work is done and proudly displayed. Rabbi, you must eat. But I calmly wait beside the earthen jar. I have food that none of you can see. The one who sends me tells me to reach far into the open wounds of hate. Here the warfare ends. Here the harvest has begun. I can see her in the distance, eagerly and proudly beckoning. She is calling us to an unlikely gathering, my wild Samaritan. Poem 12 The Bread Every fevered face howling for victory in this forsaken place fills me with dread. My peaceful offering of bread stirs a frenzied appetite for blood and proud command. As they come to make me king, I flee. And on the waiting hills I stand until the father in the dark of night whispers to the sun on earth. The lake below begins to heave and groan as I step barefoot and alone onto the swirling deep where love gives birth. You come with your wild kid goat to gaze at your beautiful bride and jeering timid eyes politely note your request and ask you to wait outside. You play your wild and burning game with rattlesnakes and vines and fields of wheat. But when those countless naked feet follow me ashore and gather round, they call on me to save and raise them up in Moses' name. With a pitiful unsettling sound, they cry out for bread. I tell them how the prophet is long dead and all his bread is turned to stone. I am my father's longing to be known. I undo the ashes of the grave. I am the bread that Moses cannot give. Touch and taste and eat and live. Poem 13 Stones you shake your long wild hair and wave that donkey's jawbone in the air and the world roars with delight as if the world were Israelite. But when I call the world to celebrate my own sweet victory, I hear the voice of hate. We found this woman, a vile reprobate with legs spread wide and a shameless act of infidelity. If we come and join your new Jerusalem, you should understand that sinners like her will be taken outside and stoned to death by God's command. I put my finger on the sand and write about deceit and all its cruel ways, 
and how the sickly taste for blood and the sweetness of the kill lurks in every judge's solemn gaze. I raise my angry chin and calmly turn my head. The one who has no sin may cast his stone with skill. I continue writing on the dust, exploring greed and lies and lust, till the lady and I are left alone and not one single stone is raised. The accusers have fled. From their perch of scholarly repute, they speak of old Abraham with praise, but fail to see his wild and windswept ways. When I am lifted up, bruised and alone, in that hour of grief, my nakedness will silently refute all frozen disbelief. I speak in my father's name, and accusations rise and howls of shame, and each hand lifts one stone. Poem 14 The Gates of Jerusalem Among the welcoming displays at the crowded city gates, ragged voices heap the winning champion with wild and easy praise. My business lady waits as I go cruising by, a knight in shining armor on a jeep with arms held high, and like a woman proudly spun in some euphoric dance, the city sings, Hosanna, King of Kings. I reach the temple steps and climb and note the heedless pantomime, the cheering crowd in this hallowed place. A breathless follower speaks of well-traveled and admiring Greeks who want to shake my hand and see my face. I take a long and weary breath. I am the buried seed. If you love me, let me lead you through this place of death where the dark is overpowered by light. Your enemies wait in the shroud of night for the calmly rising sun to reveal their power, but their scheming is undone. You rise up from your business lady's bed and the galloping horses have fled. I call out to my friends who cringe and cower with quaking heart among the shades of disbelief. Whoever takes my part will greet the foolish one who sends this word of flesh and blood. But if you deny his fatherhood, the dark will be your judge, your grief. Poem 15 My Father's Vine Father and son unite in the swirling, ageless fire of love's wild mystery. We breathe and bless. No need to touch or taste or see. No need for faith in this pure light where hope surrenders all desire, the end of the pursuit of happiness. I am my father's vine. With every coil I cling like a mournful clown. Each thirsty root is touched most tenderly as I draw pleasure from the soil. His pruning helps the ripening fruit. 
If you, my branches, are cut off from me, you will be thrown into the fire and burn. You will writhe and turn like a man who will not choose belief when a woman brings the news that she is carrying his flesh and blood. He turns on fatherhood, and in that unforgiving state falls into the certainty of hate. I long to be tied down by love, and let Delilah cradle me to sleep. I let my strength be drained away with trembling sighs, and those who take my strength can gouge these eyes as I stumble and shove like a plodding beast in the deep. I bless love's faltering display, and when the dance of hatred ends, the foolish faithful ones will be my friends. Poem 16 The Cloth Feet set apart, eyes calmly raised, easy and cold and well appraised with the dead and their naked colouring. Two need a helping hand and the crack of a broken leg rings loud and clear. The third man, limp as an empty sack, hangs lifelessly, and the tip of a spear breaks open a watery trickle of blood. Well-groomed elders appear. They speak my praise, prisoners of high status and the fear of shame. They come to make good on their furtive respect for my forthright ways. Hoisted high and carried solemnly, I am honored, silent, still. And these remains receive most graciously the offer of a rich man's burial. At the opening of the tomb, mourners quietly make way for the hands who held me from the start. She comes in through this waiting gloom to stroke my hair and touch my face. She draws back. The cloth falls into place, covering my head. Her silent heart returns to the light of day. The cloth on my face is like a screen between two worlds, one of sight and sound and passing time and constant breath. The other world, beyond the reach of death, is where my father's foolishness is found, waiting, alert, unheard, unseen. I hear you calling out to Adonai. With lone heart-rending cry and death-like frown, you seal the enemy's fate. The Philistine temple tumbles down, and the only survivor is hate. The veil is torn. Lies and cruelty dance their desecration on the earth. They lord it over innocence. But my mad love will bring a second birth. I will wade through every battleground and wipe from every wound the putrid mud of hate. My living flesh and blood will draw their pain. I will be bread in every hungry hand, wine for every thirst, and where gentle souls are cursed with mockery, I will wrap myself around their nakedness and shame. My love will be warmth in the winter, 
cool shadow in the sun. And I will bring to every bed of suffering, unfailing care, and to every prisoner the dawn of liberty. I will bring to every war, every flicker of strife, every whim of rage, my love, my life. And only when my father's fire is spilled in all the furrows of this wounded place will he call on me to rise and remove from my face this cloth. And you will recognize in me, strange friend, the enemy you killed.